Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com what makes a life a good one is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect defend and save what you believe in every single day so what makes a life a good one in the coast guard we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to episode 435 with my guest Jordan Reed. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by Squarespace. Turn your great idea into a reality with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easier than ever to launch your passion project, whether you're showcasing your work or selling products of any kind. With beautiful templates and the ability to customize just about anything, you can easily make a beautiful website yourself. And if you do get stuck, Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer service is there to help. So head to squarespace.com slash mental for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code mental to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. My name is Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour. A place for honesty about all the battles in our heads, from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, and sexual dysfunction to everyday compulsive negative thinking. This show is not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. I'm not a therapist. It's not a doctor's office. It's more like a waiting room that doesn't suck. Uh, the social media handle you can follow uh, me at is MentalPod, and uh, MentalPod.com is also the website for... Uh, for this show. All kinds of stuff there. Uh, blogs, guest blogs. There's a forum with every kind of topic imaginable. Um, yeah, go check it out. And uh, two ways, if you want to help the show, uh, consider becoming a monthly donor via Patreon. Uh, we always need monthly donors. They're the bedrock of this, uh, this podcast because advertising comes and goes. But uh, monthly donors are what keeps it afloat, and we could definitely use some. So uh, it's patreon.com slash mentalpod. And the other way you can help that doesn't cost any money is uh, subscribe. Um, just click the subscribe button on your, uh, your iTunes thing, and uh, that helps increase our downloads. So those would be awesome. Um I was feeling a little burned out this this week. Um, not like I want to stop doing the podcast, but just feeling kind of I don't know, like I've like I've hit a rut, and I don't know uh, 
there's just kind of a feeling in me that that something uh, I need to change something in it. Not that I think it's bad. It's just I can feel the passion beginning to slip a little bit with it or the excitement of of, of doing an episode. And uh, for that reason, I mixed up the surveys a bit this uh, this week. There's there's uh, I'm reading a couple of different surveys that I don't normally read. And I don't know. I, I just think it's important to talk about those things out loud. I talked about it with my therapist, uh, with my girlfriend, with friends of mine. And it's not like it's this big pressing thing, but to me, it all kind of falls under the umbrella of self-care, listening to your body instead of just going, well, you're lazy and you're ungrateful. You know, that that doesn't help. So I'm definitely looking forward to taking a couple of weeks off this summer and just running best of uh, episodes. Um, but there's a part of me that just like wants to, you know, take the whole take the whole summer off and that's probably just my black and white thinking like you know instead of pushing myself and never taking a break uh you know well then i need to take 12 weeks off and maybe the answer is somewhere in between so anyway the other thing that happened this week which is i went and got a haircut and it's a place i normally don't go it's kind of um it, you know they do fades there, and it's it's a younger clientele. It's a, m- a little more I don't know what you would call it nightclubby. Um, it, it it's I always feel a little bit out of place when I'm there, but they give a good haircut, and so I went in there. Just I was a walk in, and I said, "Is anybody available?" and uh, the woman said, uh, yeah, 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 this, this guy's available. And he kind of shook his head no. And then she talked to him. And so he waved me over to his chair. And he was a young guy, uh, black, probably in his mid-20s, and did not look happy to be giving me a haircut. And I'm not sure why, but as he was giving me a haircut, my mind searched for all kinds of of reasons because if he had just been friendly while giving me the haircut, I would have been, you know, I, I would have even accepted neutral, but it was almost a hostile haircut. It was the speed at which he cut my hair was, it was like somebody said to him, hey, would you put a fire out in the back, but first go ahead and finish up your your haircut. I told I have like a little mole on my scalp, and I said, "Hey, you know, uh, just a heads up. There's a little mole here. Uh, he must have snagged it with the comb five times, and actually, probably about ten times. And every time, I would say to myself, you should say something. You should ask him to slow down.' And the other thing, the thing that really kind of made me wonder if something else was going on is, you know, when you're getting your hair cut, sometimes they'll just kind of gently, you know, move your head to one side or another. He was pushing my head with uh, like borderline hostility. And, and I never said anything during the haircut. And part of me wanted to. Part of me wanted to say, 
you know, if you don't want to be cutting my hair, can you have somebody else do it? I'm, I'm fine waiting or, um, you know, uh, it, did I do something to piss you off? It, but I didn't. And I know part of it had to do with white guilt on my part. And I was thinking about it afterwards and I thought, me treating somebody differently and not in a, in, in a healthy way, ignoring an elephant in a room when boundaries are, are, are being crossed. Um, Gracie, Gracie sees something. Is still a form of, I don't know if the word racism or prejudice would, would be the right word, but treating somebody different than I would any other person and it's kind of something that that yeah i consider myself a progressive a liberal whatever you want to call it but i think there 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 is kind of an unspoken thing sometimes among liberals where they don't call people out on something that they would any other person. And that's treating somebody different because of their skin color. And while it might not be you, you know, something that has malice in it, it's still doing a disservice to an interpersonal relationship, no matter how brief or businesslike. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what it's like to be him, to, to, have gone through what he has gone through, what kind of a day he was having. But the bottom line is there's still a baseline amount of respect in a business transaction somebody should show to a client. And did I tip him? Yes, I tipped him 75% (laughs) because I want him to love me. I'm such a fucking mess. Anyway, I want to read a couple of surveys before we get to the the interview with uh, with Jordan Reed, and we uh, she co-wrote this amazing workbook um, that I'm going to give a, a couple of signed copies away to. I had her sign a couple, and so if you're a monthly donor, uh, and I'll mention this again after the interview, um, submit me uh, a guess between one and five hundred. However many $5 amounts you donate monthly, if you're a $5 a month, month uh, donate, donate, donor, uh, send me one guess. If you donate $10 a month, send me two guesses, etc. Et Pick a number between one and 500 and the two closest guesses uh, will get a signed copy of that book by Jordan. It's such a good book, such a good book. This is the I Shouldn't Feel This Way. Oh, and uh, the deadline for submitting those will be uh, uh, Wednesday night of next week. This is uh, a survey, the I Shouldn't Feel This Way survey. This was filled out by a woman who calls herself Little Dove. Uh, How would you like to be remembered? Someone who lived a life of love, hope, and integrity. How does it feel writing that? It feels like a cookie-cutter self-help mantra, but I mean it nonetheless. How would you use a time machine? I never would. I am happy to have moved past the good and the bad. 
That's a rare response to that. Most people, the most common ones are they would want to go back to see maybe their parents' childhood or their own childhood, uh, go back and stop some trauma from happening or speaking up for themselves. Um, I'm supposed to feel secure about my relationship, but I don't. I feel like a time bomb. I'm supposed to feel happy about my accomplishments, but I don't. I feel undeserving. How does it make you feel writing your real feelings out? I feel like I didn't actually know these things until I wrote them down. The power of of expressing things. It's so powerful whether we're writing them down or sharing them with someone else. When we have to form a sentence and really look at what it is that we're feeling, trying to put it into words. I don't know, it draws it up in a clearer, deeper way than just those vague thoughts and feelings ping-ponging around in our head. Do you think you're abnormal for feeling what you do all the time? I feel crazy, dramatic, helpless, unreliable, unlovable. Would knowing other people feel the same way make you feel better about yourself? Not better, but less isolated. Thank you for that. This is from the What Has Helped You survey, and this was filled out by a guy who calls himself, uh, I worry I'm not like the other boys. And his issues are persistent depressive disorder, 14 years and counting, social anxiety, and suicidal ideation. What's helped you deal with them? Lots of therapy, mindfulness strategies, and diffusion techniques from acceptance and commitment therapy, medication, taking time to identify my goals and values in life and make sure I'm always doing something to work towards them. What, if anything, have people said or done that has helped you? Friends who just listen and acknowledge what I'm saying without offering opinions, suggestions, or judgment. Friends who just stay with me while I'm hurting, hang out, demonstrate they care. Actions, actions is in caps, that help prove to me that people care and that I'm worthy of love. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for that. This is the I Shouldn't Feel This Way survey filled out by um, by a guy who calls himself time-delayed and responseless. How would you like to be remembered? As a person who tried very hard to lead a normal life, how does it feel writing that? I yearn for validation, but, quote, trying, unquote, does not equate to leading a normal life. How would you use a time machine? knowing me as a clock. It took me about 15 minutes to figure out what he meant by that. And the closest I can come to guessing what knowing me as a clock means is that he would use it to chronologize, is that a word? His life's events so that he could better understand them. That's my guess. I'm supposed to feel good about being a stepdad, but I don't. I feel like, why the fuck aren't I happier? Oh, wait, I've never been happy. I'm supposed to feel excited about my prospect, but I don't. I feel overwhelmed and paranoid about failing. How does it make you feel to write your real feelings out? A tiny bit better, but very short-lived. Do you think you're abnormal for feeling what you do? After listening to the show, God, no. <laughs> Would knowing other people feel the same way make you feel better about yourself? Yes, but again, short-lived. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. 
Uh, as I uh, mentioned today's, actually I didn't mention this yet, but uh, one of our sponsors today is Aura Smart Frame. It was selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, and it's a great gift for parents who are always bugging you to send more photos. Uh, with an Aura, you can instantly share photos from your phone's camera roll to their frame. Uh, you can have your siblings share photos too, since it allows for unlimited photo uh, family photo sharing. And it can hold an unlimited amount of memories. Create your own private social network. It'll help you stay in touch and keep you connected to your loved ones, even if you're miles apart. The seamless tech means a simple, stress-free setup. And it comes in a range of styles from modern to classic and wood. And I have the wood one. It's beautiful walnut, real walnut, not fake walnut. And I love having it. I have it in my living room. And it's... It just, I just get a warm feeling when I walk by it. I have pictures of Herbert, pictures of Charlie, who was my dog before Herbert, pictures of friends, loved ones, my girlfriends, moments of my life that I have fond memories of, mountain climbing, stuff like that. And it's a, it's a nice reminder that I do have love in my life. So, um, I don't know. It's, I think it's easy to forget the good things in life and the connections that we have. And, uh, I really, I dig it. So head to AuraFrames.com and use offer code MENTALILLNESS at checkout for $50 off. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, offer code MENTALILLNESS for $50 off. And I'll include the links, as always, to all of the stuff that I mention here. Today's episode is also sponsored by BetterHelp.com. If you've never tried online counseling, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of it. Uh, my therapist Donna, who I've been with for over two years, really helps me probe my feelings and look at things with fresh perspectives and and helps me honestly to, to be more rigorously honest with myself. Um, she's non-judgmental, she's kind, and, and she's wise. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of BetterHelp. If you're interested, go to betterhelp.com slash mental. Make sure you include the slash mental so they know you came from the podcast. And then uh, fill out a questionnaire. They'll match you with a betterhelp.com counselor and you can experience a free week of counseling to see if online counseling is right for you. And if they don't feel like they have somebody who is a good match for you, they won't assign somebody to you because they want to make sure that, that they have a good match. Uh, and you need to be over 18. And then finally, this is a body shame survey filled out by a woman who calls herself June, and uh, she's in her 20s. And what do you like or dislike about your body and why? She writes, the thing I dislike most is all of my self-harm scars. I have the body type most women dream of having. I'm always asked, why don't you model? But it makes me extremely uncomfortable because my upper legs are completely covered in scars. On occasion, people have found out and then got angry because I, quote, ruined my body. I've suffered through covering my body for over half my life because of these scars. A lot of other scars on my arms are completely covered with tattoos. The scars on my legs cover so much space and are so raised that it just isn't worth spending the money to cover them with tattoos. I couldn't afford that anyway. Now a lot of people know, but I still don't wear clothing that goes above my knees. My parents don't know about my scars, but my 16-year-old stepdaughter sees them every day. I took her to the beach a few years back, and I cried when she told me she was proud of me for going to the beach and not hiding my skin. 
but I was so ashamed because that outing caused me so much anxiety. I ended up relapsing, cutting again after being clean of it for two years. I haven't gone back to the beach since. Nobody's, Nobody's cool, cool and everyone's scared. scared. And, and we're, we're just, just all in this together. <laughs> there was no joy. Overeating. Apathy doesn't leave any marks. Numbing out. Physically. I wish that I was a girl. Panic attacks are so violent. Rudderless. They were mistaken for seizures. Shot coke in my neck. The TV was talking to me. Romantically, I am becoming the woman that I feared. He said, there's going to be a second hunger strike. Nothing's real. And I'm going to die. Sometimes I just go, hey, I can't deal. Just beyond broken. I want out. You have to, like, fantasize about the person I'm with. I'm gonna stop it. Fucking someone else. It's okay to be different. That I don't want to die is a miracle. To be weird. I'm so happy to be here. I'm gonna help you one day. People are gonna love you for that. It takes a lot of work to heal. It's hard being a weird kid. Sometimes you don't realize how fucked up something was until you feel the opposite of it. You will just never see what you're not looking for. I didn't know how to break up with him, so I just transferred schools. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with Jordan Reed, uh, who is a blogger. The The name of the blog and the uh, kind of the brand that you created, uh, remind me of it again. Ramshackle Glam. Ramshackle Glam. And one of the things is this amazing workbook that you co-created with Aaron Williams called The Big Activity Book for Anxious People. And it is so funny and also so relatable for anybody that battles any kind of demon in their in their head. Uh, and we're going to go through uh, some some pages in it if you if you don't mind. But I just want to get a little background on you before we get to that. Uh, Jordan was sharing with me before we started recording that she co-created uh, the show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia um, with your ex. And then you yes. guys broke up before the first episode aired and you got, I don't know if this is the right verb, screwed out of any ownership <laughs> so of the works. show. That's and a good you, one. And you were replaced as the lead actress in it. Yes, I was. How could that cause any anxiety? I mean, the trauma. I, I was talking with a friend who we call ourselves recovering actresses, um, which I think is perfect. Do you watch Barry, by the way? No. Oh, you have to watch Barry. It's such a great satire on show business okay. and, and actors, but go ahead. Wonderful. Yes. Um, and so, so being an actor is this, I don't know if many people who listen to you are, but it's just this very unique situation where you're like desperate to work. You're like, just let me work. Just let me work. And over and over and over and over, you, you put in the work to get hired and hear no, 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 just for years. I mean, for most people's their entire careers mostly yes. knows, um, and that's hard enough. And then when you finally get the thing, and you're it's like, a it's oh. a lottery ticket. It's a lottery. It, it is. It is like winning the lottery, um, and to you know, and all of a sudden, like right, agents are calling, and oh, everyone loves you, and here, and mm -hmm. and then to have that. Um, be taken away from a breakup also when you already are going through a breakup. It was very uh, – traumatizing is like an understatement. Um, <laughs> it was pretty bad. And and you had been advised by your lawyer to not fight Correct. for ownership of it. Right. I literally heard the words, you'll never work in this town again. And I was like, oh, my God, okay. Because I was 20 – I don't know, 23. I was terrified. Yeah. Um, but it's been very exciting over the years growing, you know, growing this brand, writing these books. And um, 
there's a re- the the power that comes from recapturing your narrative and telling it for your telling your story for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I had let my identity uh, get caught up over the years. I was a footnote in someone else's story. You know, people would people would love the show and they would like, oh, did you hear that there was a different like, and I was just this weird little um, blip mm-hmm. in like the story, the storied thing. And that felt bad, <laughs> really bad. So that's I'm sure there why, was a part of you that thought that is going to be my legacy. That's my legacy. I'm like the, the fifth best Beatle. of sitcoms. That's I literally started writing a book and that was in the first sentence was i am like i'm the pete best of sitcoms or something like that oh yeah, yeah, yeah 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 yeah. this, yeah. I, this I didn't finish writing that book <laughs> but um the reason i talk about it so much and i do have people who are like oh my god get over it like and i am over it i i think it is so healthy to um yeah like recapture your story and tell it for yourself especially when it's a story that involves trauma and the fact that you found your voice in a way that seems probably even more authentic than the thing that you had gotten screwed out of. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was an actress on someone else's thing. Right. Um, the the opportunity to, oh, I mean, there's nothing like it. And you know, you have a podcast. It's like, mm-hmm. the, that's why we do these kinds of things is because it, it just feels so good to have your own voice be yeah. what people hear, not, you know, filtered through... I don't know anyone really. network notes Net- network no yeah <laughs> and and I, I think deep down especially people in uh, the performing arts we so desperately just want to be seen we want the authentic us to not only be seen but to be validated and loved unconditionally and um it, yeah, I mean, I would say that's the human condition. Um, people yeah. in the performing arts just sort of demand it instead or, or of just shameless, wanting it. <laughs> or shameless about it. Yeah. We want to connect it to money. <laughs> yeah. Pay me to be me. Yes. I'm amazing. It's not enough to have our friends validate us. We need no. strangers to yeah. validate us. Um, before we get into the book, uh, give me some background, uh, some childhood memories. What was the emotional temperature? Was there any kind of traumas or struggles that you dealt with in childhood that you're, that you're comfortable talking about or adolescence? Um, you know, well, I was talking with my therapist about this the other day. Um, and I remember, uh, being a, a sort of almost obliviously happy child. I remember thinking like, wh- like hearing about the concept of depression and thinking like, why would anyone ever be so depressed when there's so much beauty in the world? I literally remember having that thought. And where were you raised? Uh, New York City. <laughs> okay. Wasn't that beautiful? Yeah. Um, and, but then I remember also going to a graveyard and I was passing by a graveyard and it was, um, this beautiful graveyard with flowers everywhere. And I said to my dad, what happens when you die? And he looked at me and he said, they put you in a box in the ground and that's it. Oh. And I was like, uh, oh. And literally, the, I remember that moment turn, uh, turned a corner. And ever since then, like that colored everything. And so then I became... Um, you went home and listened to The Cure? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, held, I held back on like letting my full crazy out until after college. And then after college, I just spiraled down into like anorexia and like yes. depression and um, profound and crippling anxiety, insomnia. Like I used to hallucinate a banana in my cupboard because if you're that tired yeah. like when you don't sleep for days 
you your brain just doesn't function. Yeah. Like it's it gets real crazy. Really you can fast. save money on math by oh, just yeah. staying up. I mean <laughs> You may not be taking clocks apart, but you <laughs> yeah. will get this hallucination. Yeah, you'll see your bananas, yeah. <laughs> um so let's let's jump into the or, or are there any other snapshots from uh oh, your, well, your past? So so I think um the reason the spiral got as bad and it really did. I I mean I went very far into like a very dark place uh in my mid to late 20s. Um and, and this I, is before the breakup and the show. Oh this is after. No no this is oh, after. Okay, this okay. is post breakup and post show when I was like okay. I have useless, meaningless, what am I doing with my life, the whole thing. Um, and, uh, started this website and never talked about that stuff. Like I was just like, look at me on a date with my husband and like, look at me making sugared cranberries. And then, um, I realized that the reason I was doing that was that my parents raised me to think that, um, asking for help for a mental illness made you weak there. You're not, I'm sorry. I didn't have a mental illness. Of course. I'm much stronger than that. And, you know, seeing a psychiatrist, taking medication, that's for really sick people. I should just get over it. Mm. And that was so hard to break out of. Um, to be dependent, on, you know, potentially on a big pharma company. Right, right. And I was so like, scary. oh, my parents, were they were like, that's, you don't need that, that. And then finally, I was like, you know what? I have two children and I'm hallucinating. Like, this is an emergency. And then I started taking Zoloft and it just, just literally like, it just was like, oh, now I can sleep and function. Like it was just a different world. And so I started writing about it on my site and it became something I'm very passionate about talking about on the site because it took me so way too long to right. ask for the help I needed. Yeah. And whether it be meds or not because obviously every person is different for you that was the thing that kind of unlocked the key to a a, a functioning yeah. uh healthy yeah and healthy now life. i'm finally doing the real therapy thing for the first time ever i'm like ugh, it's so hard what are so some things that work. are that are coming up that you didn't want to talk about that you or are difficult to find words for um so i am very open mm -hmm. i talk about everything and my therapist told me the other day, I haven't ever seen you have an authentic emotion. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm like the most hard on the sleeve person I know. And she was like, no, you say the things. You share the information. You share the information and then you make it into a joke. Right. Or you, you're like, whatever, whatever, I'm fine. Right. And she said there is a difference between authenticity and openness and you are not the former. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I hate that. Busted. Busted. And I and I thought about it. But it was like, probably news to you. It was news to me. And then I and then I was like, "Oh, I don't actually have any real feelings. <laughs> I just write about them and talk about them and then that feels like that's enough." Right. Now I'm good. You haven't right? ever sat in them. You, you feel no. a flash of them coming and then it gets turned into art. Oh my god, you understand me. Oh yeah. Wait, I literally had this light bulb revelation on Friday. And I was like, oh, I have this horrible, sad thing. I write this blog post. I like say it in exactly the way I wanted to. I hit publish. I get this high from publishing it. And then readers write, no, it's like, you understand me. And I'm like, yes. And it's this, it's a high, it's a drug. Mm -hmm. And it stops me from feeling it. It's... Yes. 
crazy pants. I, I and I never knew this, ever, until it's, now. <laughs> Thanks, therapy. It, it's so scary to sit in the uncomfortable feelings when they come up, especially if you have a coping mechanism that is quick and validating. But you know, like sharing it publicly. But mm-hmm. ultimately, while that's helpful as a soul coping mechanism, it, it's. It's just not enough. It keeps people at a distance. Yeah, my my dad uh, attempted suicide in the in the uh, early nineties, and I was still doing stand up then. And I just remember feeling completely shut down about it. I didn't even cry, and I just went and I wrote a stand up piece, kind of not specifically naming that but because it happened around christmas time and so i wrote this really dark poem about christmas this dark comedic poem that then i began reading on stage and while i felt some relief by turning it into that it wasn't enough i still right. needed to talk about how sad i i felt but when people say sit i, I cannot tell you how many people have been saying this to me since my divorce feel your feelings lean into your feelings sit in your feelings and i'm like what do you even mean like do i should i go sit in the closet and cry on purpose i can do that i guess but i i think i understand so the other day i was at um a party with my friends and like all all our old couple friends and my my ex-husband was there and our kids were all playing together and i was just like this it was just devastating like the loss of you know and i started crying and my friend came and put her arm around me and i felt myself start to go i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> and then i was oh, like yeah. you know what <laughs> and i just like i'm not fine i'm not fine and like sat there at a kid's birthday party and sobbed with my friend that's awesome I, is that what they mean yes that's it right that's it inviting someone in to sit with you in it here's one that really really helps me is uh, although i haven't done it in a while is to talk to a picture of myself when i felt at my worst and to be the 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 person that i needed at that time to say the things that i needed to hear and boy did that get the tears flowing hold yourself go back to your younger self and hold that person yes someone, someone suggested that to me too and i was like ouch <laughs> but no. it's, it's so cleansing it's like taking really? your soul taking a shit it's so <laughs> it's so it's it's just really it's so good and it our brain makes it seem like it's going to kill us but running from that feeling might kill us Mm -hmm. through compulsive behavior or stress or insomnia or or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think one of the really important things in being able to get to that place where you can feel the feeling and all its awfulness is to cut out the distractions, put the phone down, turn the TV off. Right. Um, you know, whatever it is that you're using to soothe yourself. And I think it's why you see so many uh, younger people so filled with anxiety and mm-hmm. depression is because there there's so many distractions now that it's it's so easy to feel something uncomfortable. And scroll. And scroll. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Something that's been interesting with this book is that I'm hearing from... And I didn't expect, because it's an adult book, it's, I mean, clearly, mm-hmm. um, but the number of people I've heard from who have bought it and then given it to their child, like they bought it for themselves yeah. and then they gave it to their their teen or their 
tween or whatever, um, which I just find very interesting. I just didn't expect that to be such a, such a thing. that, That doesn't surprise me because the humor in it, you know, while there's some stuff in there that, you know, might be a little R rated, um, it, it's how parents need to talk to their kids in terms of tone, mm-hmm. you know, that there can be some humor in it, it without sacrificing the importance of, of what's going on inside them. And that's why I love that book so much is it's, it's the tone of this show. It, it's, um, what I believe is healing is the the work combined with the laughter, not the mm-hmm. laughter instead of the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let's jump into it. I dog ear a couple of pages that I'd love for <laughs> you to to read, let's and then see. anything that you would like uh, to to read, I'd love to do an exercise or two that oh, you for sure you have in there. Let's see. What did you dog ear? Um, things you think about at three a.m. <laughs> The enormity of the numbers associated with your student loan interest and the age at which will you and the age at which you will have paid it off. How Carol was coughing by the coffee pot. Now your throat is starting to feel a little scratchy too. God damn it, Carol! How many days after the purchase by date can you still eat deli meat? What exactly happens if you eat old deli meat? How if you fall asleep right now, you can still get four hours of sleep? Go to sleep right now, brain! Screaming at one's brain to stop working is a highly successful strategy. <laughs> oh, I like this one. The excruciating passage of time culminating in the death of yourself and every single one of the people you love the most. <laughs> that one's mine. That's what I think about. Is your passport expired? It probably is. You should go check. And bed bugs. <laughs> Give me another one. Give me another, read <laughs> another, another, read another, another page. page. And you cover so many topics that cause us anxiety, some really obscure ones, but they're so, they're so relatable in their just weirdness. Well, I like the, the one that's like obscure diseases you probably don't have because like any person with anxiety, uh, goes on symptom checker and is like, oh, I am tired. Oh no. And it's like, you're either like, you either need a nap or you have cancer. Right. And we know so. which one we're going to think about. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, and so, like, there's a list of, you know, you probably don't have exploding head syndrome. Is that a thing? It's a thing. You don't have it. <laughs> you would know. And then there's a disease called the jumping Frenchman of Maine. What? Just the most specific disease that have, uh, has ever existed. It was a group of, of French, like, loggers or something living in Maine and they developed um, an exaggerated startle reflex where they would jump around mm-hmm. at loud noises. And like, literally, good news, you don't have that. And if you did, it would be called something else because you're not a jumping Frenchman living in Maine. So it just developed I, a, yeah. in these people. It wasn't something they kind of uh, practiced into No, happening. there was a theory that they got uh, positive feedback for the entertainment value. I got you. I'm going to guess that's a big part of it. But yeah. yeah. Um, here we have facts to make you feel better. This was such a fun page to write because I was like, oh, nice. Not everything is broken in the world. Right. Most things are. Not everything. Some parts of the ozone layer are repairing themselves. Public libraries exist. The back slime on a certain species of frog literally makes the flu virus explode. And removing it doesn't even hurt the frog. There is an entire YouTube channel devoted to Bob Ross. We are this close to wiping out the guinea worm parasite. 
Guinea worm parasites are three-foot-long worms that look like spaghetti noodles and erupt through the surface of their host skin by incredibly painful blisters. So this is excellent news. In Grenoble, France, all the outdoor advertisements were replaced with trees. Ah. Oh. I know. And scientists recently found a brand new type of aurora, and they named it Steve. <laughs> I feel I, I better. I love it. I love right? it. That's one of the things that, that uh, we do sometimes on the podcast is we do fears and loves. We go back and forth and we exchange. Let's let's do a couple. Oh, um, no. Wow. So, uh, you know, kind of more fears that are existential or interpersonal rather than like, you know, I'm afraid of bugs. I am afraid of bugs. Yes. <laughs> um, so I'll uh, let me try to think of one. Uh, uh, my knee hurt walking down the the stairs this morning and uh i'm afraid that my cartilage is gone i'm gonna have to have knee surgery and in addition to the weight i've already put on from my last surgery uh i am gonna put on even more weight and i will just it will hurt to bend over and tie my shoes for the rest of my life I see. I want to make you feel better. I'm like, that's Don't. not going to happen. Okay. <laughs> Just do yours. Um, I am afraid that as I do this leaning into the feelings thing, um, I become sad and old and boring. And I stop doing my performative sparkling thing that's completely fake. And then I will never convince anyone to love me ever again. God damn, you're good at this. I know. You are good at this. <laughs> I'm afraid that... Gracie, my new uh, my new dog, um, is going to die before her time, and I will look back and say, "Why did I adopt her? Because now it's more pain than it was joy." I am afraid that my children will grow up, and all of their fun memories will be with their father. And they will remem remember me as a constantly working, constantly stressed out person hiding behind a telephone. You could turn pro doing this. Actually, you have. You have a book, <laughs> I wrote a that, book about that, that shows that, uh, that you have turned pro. Um, I'm afraid that I'm going to be out in the shop woodworking. I'm going to have a lapse in concentration. And I'm going to saw off fingers that will render me unable to play guitar or hockey oh oh my goodness um i am afraid that i will never be able to stop focusing on external markers when choosing a partner and miss the opportunity for love again mm. I'm afraid that what I think is intimacy isn't because I'm dumb and I fool myself and I will experience pain and feel stupid when I realize I'm incapable of love. Incapable of love. I'm afraid I fucked up by getting a divorce. And just made that's a big, big one. That's a big one. That's a big one. Let's do some loves. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like ready to cry. <laughs> I love when it, it hasn't rained in a while and the grass looks like it's just going to pretty soon be dirt. And then you just see it fighting back in a patch that used to be 
really, really brown, you can, you can see it coming back to life. I love, I did a primal scream for the first time the other day and I haven't done that since I was a child and I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. I did it over, I mean, it didn't, it felt bad, but like really right. good. You, you felt lighter after it. Yeah. Yeah. Like How it. could you not? I was a little nervous. My neighbors were (laughs) thinking I was dying. (laughs) I love uh, on the weekend when my girlfriend and I go get breakfast, uh, instead of ordering one cappuccino, because they just only have a regular size cappuccino, and it's never quite enough. And now I order two. And I love that feeling when I take the sip of the first one, and I know I have so many sips left. And I can feel it waking me up. And I just feel like I can take on the world. Nice. Um, I feel like I'm worse at the I loves. This is funny. Oh, I don't think so. Um, Because I'm like, I love banana splits. (laughs) (laughs) What what about the banana split do you love? Describe that. Well, so I don't let myself have them usually because I love them so much that I will eat them all the time. And when I was pregnant, oh my God, I ate them so often and it was the but to describe um, what it what it is, what are the flavors and the <laughs> textures, and it and, is a perfect blend of like not too sweet and like the the texture mm-hmm. difference between like the nut and the banana and the ice cream is really lovely. Do you go whipped cream? I do, and I'm very particular. Like each bite has to have the right yes. ratio. It's all about ratio. It's all Ratio. Like pizza is the same thing. Grilled cheese. Well, there's the always a perfect bite of anything. Yeah. And I remember my ex used to always give me his perfect bite. And I always thought that was really romantic. Oh, uh, that is. I know. That is. I know. He would like eat around the middle and be like, you want the perfect bite? And I was like, oh my God. That's really sweet. I know. That's really sweet. I know. Let's, let's jump back into the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, do you want to do the... Um, the can handle list yeah the can't handle yeah so describe okay so everyone has their things like that they can't handle and like it might be bugs or it might be something um, the word moist that's, <laughs> Isn't it that's funny? one for a lot of people what a just a creepy Panties. word that is yeah. yeah i know um oatmeal cookies with raisins in them i couldn't consider disagree more disappointment couldn't disagree in more. baked good form you're wrong they're could so not disagree more because disapp- you Please think don't... it's gonna be chocolate and then it's a raisin Please don't tell me that you prefer <laughs> frosted Pop-Tarts to unfrosted. I don't understand that question. Of course I do. Wow, this is over. <laughs> this is, we had such a nice roll going, but I don't at 25 minutes. I don't even understand what you're talking you about. You dead to me. <laughs> dead to me in the mob sense of the word. Dead to me. <laughs> okay, so I'll give you a thing and you tell me if it's a can handle, cannot handle, or secretly enjoy and would never admit to anyone, certainly not on a podcast. I love that third column. I know. <laughs> Gas station bathrooms. Uh, can handle. <laughs> if you say secretly enjoy, yeah, that's, that's that a really a, creepy that would be a, yeah. <laughs> um, making concrete plans. Somewhere between can handle and can't handle. Okay. I, uh, it's because you've lived dread. in LA for too long, yeah, probably. There, a hint of dread that I will regret committing. Someone asking, so what music are you into? I can handle it. I hate that. Yeah. I get PTSD from all the guys I dated in high school. Yeah. They're like, oh, you don't listen to me. Yes. <laughs> I tell you, a can't handle for me is how are you doing? 
Because mm. I don't know most of the time what I'm feeling. You mean a genuine, how are you doing? Yes. Not, not like, hey, not, what's up? Not like, what's up, right? Right. But like, how, what are you feeling right now? I hate that too. And especially in the past year, because everything... Oh, I had a hell of a 2018. I also had an ectopic pregnancy and like, which is bad. I almost died. And like, it was awful. And people are like, yeah, how are you doing? I'm like, um, bad. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm boring. I'm like boring myself. You know, what would be a good question that could actually help me understand what I'm feeling is if somebody said, who do you feel like you need to be in this moment right now to be okay standing here talking to me? That I would be able to go, well, I feel like I need to be polite and interested in you and smile uh, enough that you uh, feel like I enjoy your company, but not so much that I'm being super fake and make myself sick. That would be very, yes, that's how I feel most of the time. <laughs> Look, It's so funny. Doing press for this book is like um, therapy sessions. It's, it really is. It's yeah. funny because it's not like light. But it is live. It's funny. Anyway, um, let's see. Um, a baby crying. Can't handle. Really? No. You don't have kids. Especially not on a plane. See, on a plane, I just feel, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I want to like go over and take I the baby. Feel, I feel so bad. I feel bad, but I also am annoyed as, <laughs> as fuck. But I can also hyper-focus. And so if I can find something really interesting, I can tune it out. But... Uh, Probably the worst one is in a restaurant or uh, a, a coffee shop where somebody could conceivably get up and take the baby out yeah. just to give everybody else a break. An airplane, I understand. Yeah. I can have compassion for that parent. The I problem actually, is children are awful. They're always doing shit that would make you have to leave a restaurant. <laughs> the Andrew, don't go to a restaurant? Yes. No. Yes. I want sushi and takeout sushi is bad. And what would be the wrong thing with uh, having to take them out a lot when you're at a restaurant? Isn't that part of your I, responsibility? No. As it, as <laughs> no. So we disagree on that and okay. on Pop-Tarts. <laughs> on Pop-Tarts. Um, Abercrombie and Fitch stores. Yes. Uh, I, I uh, yeah, I can't handle them. I can't handle them. It's, it's, I could walk into one, but it's so bro-y. That it just kind of makes my skin crawl. Well, for me, it's the thumping music at 10 a.m. I'm like, I'm not in a club and it's dark. And I'm just like, I walk in and I immediately, all the people working there are like 12. And they just look at me like this old lady. Did you lose your kid? Yeah. Yeah. Really? I would, in that same category, I would put the elevator of any W hotel. (laughs) Eight in the morning. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Really? Yeah. Well, it's people who haven't been home yet, I guess, who are still yeah. out. I don't know. And um, unmade beds. I can handle it, but I make my bed because I know it helps me feel better about myself. Um, me too. If yeah. I go in my room and my bed's unmade, I'm like, I'm a slovenly mess of a human. I don't deserve anything nice. Yeah. So I guess I can't <laughs> handle it. I can't either. That's that's one for me. Like I will make it if I'm late for like a flight, I'll still mm-hmm. make my bed. Here's a love I have when I come into my bedroom um and my girlfriend has made it. Yes. Which she does whenever she stays over. She you know, she And does she make it better clean. than you do? Oh yeah, she does a great job. She just and then I I I 
you know, I think there's so many different forms of love we can feel from somebody we care about. And I, I just love experiencing different ones in a relationship with somebody. Like the love languages. The love that's languages. That's what you mean? Yes. So that's an act of service. Yes. And th- that is my favorite. Mine too. Yes. Oh, look, we agree. Like presence is the least. I like I like presents. Um, I get uncomfortable though. Yeah, like I get kind of like ah, you didn't have to do that. Right. But then I so, also like, like an obligation that. Yeah. Well, I was dating someone for a, a, a minute, and uh, he really loved giving me presents for the. And I was like, this is crazy. Like that's so nice. I almost also I'm so uncomfortable. And then he stopped, and I was like, well, excuse me. <laughs> and, like I didn't even really want them to start with, but then when he stopped, I was like. Couldn't huh. you read that I didn't really mean it? I that didn't I was trying mean to it. act no. humble. <laughs> it, but it wasn't that. It was like, oh, if that's your love language and then you stop doing it, that's probably a bad sign. Right. Right? I have to edit that part nice. out. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and then the last one would be Hootie and the Blowfish. I don't listen to them. And I, I actually feel sorry for bands like... Nickelback, Dave Matthews, kind of the punching bags yeah. for music. And even if I don't, don't feel like them. too bad. I think they're like really rich. Aren't they? That's true. But deep down, they're they human beings that just want to be loved and money will not bring you love. So yeah. I try to think uh, about about that. Do you think that, they have a sense of humor about it, though? I wouldn't. No? I wouldn't. No, because I want my art validated. See, now I feel bad for What's-His-Face and Hootie and the Blowfish. But see, they're on my can handle because I love them. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> yep. you're, you're just recognizing that there are people that bag on them, and you're yeah. like, I'm on your side. So that's awesome. Totally. It, it's not news to them that people make no. fun of them. No. So, Like Extreme, More Than Words? Love Best it. song ever. Ever. I feel it deep inside and people make fun of it, but I'm not here for that. On my iPod, right next to John Coltrane, you will see Mbop by Hanson. So good. It's, it's uh, a classic. Fantastic. Other than this, the scratching, turntable scratching, oh, yeah. which is so dated, <laughs> it's just a great. Yes. I'm actually in the song. process of introducing my young children to like the great ridiculous like Carly Rae Jepsen and like mm. uh Justin Bieber's like baby or like I'm like you got to hear this guys and they love it they're like yeah this is a rock and jam <laughs> he was on my hockey team for a while Justin Bieber mm-hmm. how is he at hockey very good very well, good very very fast uh really has a nose for the net a great score but awful on defense a little bit too much of a celebrator after goals <laughs> And uh, kind of a selfish player. Huh. Yeah. I have to say, I Justin Bieber is not someone I've ever given a ton of thought to. Um, I was a little bit too old to have a crush on him. Mm-hmm. would have been weird. But uh, I really respect how open he's being about mental health these days. Have you heard this? I have not. Oh, yeah. He's like, he, he said publicly, he, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but he is depressed People have needed too much from him for too long. Mm -hmm. He's like, I need to focus on my mental health, and I am not in a good place, and I need to get in a good place. So peace out. And he just like canceled tours and canceled shows, and just like, but not in like a diva fit way. And like, it felt it seemed very genuine from what I read. Yeah, that's awesome. Right? Yeah, I I hope uh, we play together again, so I can give him a give him a high five. Not that he gives a shit, but um, (laughs) yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Continue. 
Oh, oh, you want more of the can handles? Yeah. Let's see. Um, hold on. Let's see. Uh, Comic-Con? Never been. I literally, you couldn't pay me. I can't imagine what you would have to pay me to go to Comic-Con. I don't think I would enjoy it other than the people watching. I think I would enjoy that, and I would enjoy seeing them enjoy themselves, but I, I just, other than Game of Thrones, I'm not a big fantasy or super, right. superhero person. I would geek out at, like, the Walking Dead table, but yeah. that's it. Yeah. But Ren Fairs, like, I, my best friend, I just, I was like, there's a Ren Fair this weekend. She's Oof. like, girl, you are on your own. And I was like, oh, but, yeah. but, 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 but turkey legs. And she's oh, like, no. no. Cannot handle. <gasps> Cannot oh, I handle. love it. But see, the reason I love it is because it's like the people at the Ren Fair, they're so happy. And a lot of the, and I'm, I'm, I count myself in this category. It's like people who are maybe misfits or like don't feel super comfortable in social situations get to go to the Ren Fair and dress up as like Maid Marian and feel sexy and confident and like they're with their people. Yes. And I just love the vibe I'm that I get there. I'm too selfish because that gets blocked out by my discomfort. It's somebody projecting the word mead. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know just they have pickles and barrels you can get pickles uh pickles and barrels other places but, but you could talk in an accent you know what i it, it's <laughs> i i see a desperation underneath that oh yeah that probably reminds me of my own desperate need to be seen and loved and yeah. that is probably what i'm projecting Interesting. That they're unabashed about it, and I resent that. Oh, that's interesting. I probably resent their bravery and it and, is and just just flaunting freak flag flying. Yes, I know. I, I mean, didn't I realize that until I started talking yeah. about that just now. Yeah, totally. Fuck, fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> just awful. Just yeah. awful person. Um, I'm, 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 um, used clothing can't handle. I can't. Yeah. I'm a thrifter, yeah. I mean, I wash it. Yeah, but I don't know. Now, I used to actually get used when I was a teenager. I went through a phase where I wore pajamas, like as clothing, like mm -hmm. striped old man pajamas. And thinking back, like I would go to the Salvation Army and I would just buy pajamas. Mm -hmm. So they were like legit old man pajamas. Right. And that's kind of gross. Like someone slept in them and like sweated or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, that's pretty gross. I wouldn't do that anymore. I, I have a couple of used T-shirts uh, that, that I bought at thrift stores because I was at the gym and I forgot to bring a change of T-shirt and I didn't want to walk around in a drenched shirt. So yeah. I just went to this thrift store next door and, and bought T-shirts and now they're in my, you know, my rotation of T-shirts. So I don't really think about it, but I just don't like the idea of of wearing somebody else's sweat because there's a part of me that believes that there's a certain it's, amount that can there. never be washed out. Well, yes. Like, you know, how like you did the, 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 if a white shirt turns yellow. Yes. It's not getting out. Right. It's not coming out. What is that? Yeah. Is that I, I think that's part of the person. No, it changes the chemical composition of the fabric. But the, yeah, you're right. It's like there's still particles of person on there or something. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's from the uh, deodorant that makes oh, that it? yellow. I, I think. don't know. I think. I don't know. Because why wouldn't the other parts of the shirt turn yellow as well? Because that's sweat. I don't know. It's I don't I don't hair. have back sweat. I'm a lady. <laughs> <laughs> I glow. Uh, 
<laughs> Give me another one. Um, uh, drinking straight from the carton. Oh, not only uh, secretly love. Yeah, I like secretly. don't even secretly enjoy. I like just love it, do it. My son's like, Mom. I'm like, What? This is how you drink. I'm thirsty. Yeah. I also live alone, so yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't I wouldn't do it with uh, something I'm sharing with with somebody unless it was somebody I was having sex with. Okay, in which case I'd um, be like, come on, what after about all we've done, pimple popping. Can I, I handle it? Love it. I love it. I love it. But I have to be sleeping with the person. It's like something mm. like I have to already be like yeah. all up in the whatever's. Yeah. Um, but like Doctor Pimple Popper on YouTube. Ooh. Oh, it's like I literally will watch it to unwind at night. I and like, I've heard this is common, by the way. This is a thing. I like the feeling of pulling things out of my own body. Maybe a big chunk of earwax or popping fun. a pimple. Yeah. But anybody else's, <laughs> it, it's, like, it's like farts. It's like mine's okay. But, but nobody else's. Nobody else's. See, yeah. No, I, it's also, it helps me focus. This is, I can't believe I'm telling you this. This right. is embarrassing <laughs> shit. <Yeah. laughs> my husband and I... I would sit there and like pick at his back in order to focus on what he was saying. Oh, that's interesting. Like it helped, or I would knit, like knitting did a similar right. thing in a less gross way. It's because like, your mind is spinning so much, you, yes. you need to keep it occupied. And so if he and I were having like a long conversation, I'd be like, here, sit down. And I would just like pick at his back. Weird. I, no, I totally but understand that because sometimes when I'm feeling anxious and I know I need to talk to somebody on the phone, I'll put earbuds in and then I'll, I'll go in the garage and just kind of absentmindedly do some woodworking stuff, uh, you know, maybe sharpening a tool or something that's kind of mindless yeah. and it calms me down yeah. to be able to not feel like, oh, I got to get off the phone. Yes. I totally get I it. I pace my pool too. I have a pool and I like walk yes. in circles. The problem is that I have no service on half of it. <laughs> so I'm like, you can hear me, you can hear me, you can't hear me, you can't hear me. It's, it's that not would ideal. Bug, that would bug the fuck out of me yes. as the person on the other end. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, let's, let's read one more page of uh, something let's before, because I know you, uh, you got to go pick your kid up. And I do. I do have a it child. It is the time that you have to leave right now. Um, let me see. Sorry, you can edit this, right? My, oh, like, no worries. <laughs> my pausing. It's, it's a very, um, it's a very uh, casual thing. Oh, I'll, I like this. Um, this is a word search, mm -hmm. but it's reasons to be glad you're not living in the 18th century. Love it because in the 18th century you could both drink from and poop in the Thames. So efficient. Oof. More reasons why you can congratulate yourself on not having been born a few hundred years ago. And again, this is a word search. Raw sewage next to you. Not big on bathing or brushing teeth, arcane surgical instruments, arcane surgical procedures, surgeons actually just barbers, wet horse smell, poop in water, no tampons, no Diet Coke, no memory foam mattresses, no Netflix, no chill. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much for coming. The, the, uh, name of the book again is the, uh, activity book for anxious people. Uh, we'll put links to all your stuff and the name of your, uh, blog again. Ramshackle Glam. Ramshackle Glam. Thank you so much. That was so fun. Thank you. Really, really enjoyed talking to her. And as I mentioned, she, uh, signed two copies of, uh, of her book and I'm raffling those off to monthly donors. Uh, just have your guess or guesses submitted to me uh, by uh, Wednesday, 
of next week. That'd be Wednesday, the, I don't know, like the 24th or something like that. No. Wednesday, the 22nd of May. Today's episode is sponsored by Bill Nye. Love Bill Nye. He's got a new podcast out. It's called Science Rules. And I'm sure you know Bill as uh, Bill Nye, the science guy. And on Science Rules, uh, he takes calls from listeners and he answers their embarrassing, funny, weird, and occasionally more serious questions. Uh, For example, should we stop eating cheeseburgers to combat climate change? How do we go about putting colonies on Mars? How often should I be washing my pillowcase? I wash mine once a year in honor of Bastille Day. I don't know why. I think it has something to do with heads, but uh, (laughs) yellow heads will roll. (laughs) Head stains will roll. Oh, Jesus. Just move on, Paul. Um, the show is co-hosted by Corey S. Powell. He's a science writer, editor, and Bill's trusty friend. And there's also field experts and special celebrity guests. And Bill is on a mission to explain how science rules everything in the universe. And you'll have to listen to the podcast to find out what people are asking him. The first episode of Science Rules is out now, so you can check it out right after this. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Today's episode is also sponsored by Squarespace. Turn your dream into a reality with Squarespace. They make it easier than ever to launch your passion project. They have beautiful templates created by world-class designers and the ability to customize just about anything with a few clicks. You can easily make a beautiful website yourself, and I've done it. It's super intuitive. It's simple. Um, I did one to uh, host my musical snippets and pictures I've taken of dogs. It's uh, paul-gilmartin.squarespace.com. And I'll put a link to that under the show notes for this if you want to see it. But uh, it's nice. Squarespace is just a great product. Uh, Their e-commerce functionality, it lets you sell anything online. And analytics help you grow your site in real time. Everything's optimized for mobile right out of the box. Check it out. Head to squarespace.com slash mental for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code mental to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash mental and also offer code mental. Let's get to some surveys. This is the What Has Helped You survey filled out by a guy who calls himself depressive beer snob. Aren't all beer snobs depressive? I was one. It takes one to know one. Uh, What are your issues or struggles? Depression, generalized anxiety disorder, and panic disorder. Uh, What's helped you deal with them? Skating, hockey, biking, and mostly talking to my best friend from work. What, if anything, have people said or done that's helped you? Last month, my wife failed epically to support me after I had a panic attack in a movie theater. She told me I had embarrassed her, ruined her weekend, made her nervous, and how could I do that around our daughter? Over the next couple of days, I became extremely hopeless and had the worst bout of suicidal thoughts I've had in a long time. My friend, who also suffers from depression and anxiety, talked to me the entire day over Messenger. She's been to the dark places and really saved my life that day. She's always been there to support me, while my wife simply doesn't have the ability to do so. That sucks, man. That sucks that your wife doesn't know how to support you or chooses not to. Um, yeah, I wonder if joint counseling would be a a good place to, to work through that and maybe for her to get a little bit of education, you know, um, 
Just a thought. This is the body shame survey filled out by a woman who calls herself Cleaning Boss Lady. And uh, what do you like or dislike about your body and why? She writes, I am a white female. The importance of me giving that information is to paint an image of the body type I have slash had. I used to be thin, apparently very thin because men would always hit on me and women would always sneer and tell me to, quote, eat a cheeseburger, unquote. It was in my thin days that I thought I was fat. Then I married and soon became pregnant. Due to some medical history, the doctor advised me to not exercise. I quickly put on the weight and almost doubled my weight. Pregnancy, regardless of pregnancy or not, the comments would come. I was literally told when having a piece of pizza, you don't need it. At work, when eating a sub sandwich, another man asked me if I knew what I was going to have to work off, if I knew I was going to have to work off all of this weight that I was putting on. I was often asked if I was having twins. After having the baby, another man told me I still looked like I was pregnant. I have officially been dubbed Chubbo at my husband's workplace. The same women who sneered at me and told me to eat a cheeseburger would smugly smile when they walked by. Others will tell me that I look better with curves. My conclusion is that it doesn't matter what type of body you have. People are going to be ignorant. You can't control other people and how they think, act, and talk. But you can recognize the insignificance of their opinions and make healthy decisions for the benefit of you. Make yourself happy. Love what you are because your body will change. Thank you for that. I don't know what what this podcast would be like if you guys didn't pour your hearts and souls out into these surveys. It's so it's just so uh so amazing. This is a struggle in a sentence filled out by a woman who calls herself function functional enough about her anxiety. She writes, "It's like opening new tabs on your internet internet browsers, but instead of closing them, the new tabs just keep popping up." About her sex addiction, I've always wanted a dick so masturbation would be easier. Snapshot from her life. With anxiety and depression, I constantly struggle with being in a permanent state of exhaustion, but also wanting to get off my ass and do something. My sister suggested I go to a meetup group to make friends. I cringed at the thought. I want a social life, but the thought of putting on pants and actually looking presentable seems like too much work. I get this on so many levels, The especially before I started going to support groups, and now I feel like I got some momentum going. But man, when you're in that depressive state, putting on pants is like jumping into an ice-cold pool. It's just like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> it's just so much pajamas. Does anybody love us like our pajamas and our pillow? I've yet. I've yet to. Thank you for that. This is the same survey filled out by a woman who calls herself, I want your reassurance, but don't talk to me. I won't believe you about her alcoholism and drug addiction. It's only a problem if I admit it. About her PTSD, when I'm triggered, my body becomes a shell that is much too small to hold my emotions, so I have to leave it, and then I absolutely feel nothing. About living with an abuser, I will tear myself apart limb by limb and rebuild myself to be who you want me to be and then you can finally stop hurting me and start loving me wow that's deep snapshot from her life my dad was the only parental figure i had 
an emotional attachment to. He did a lot of good, but also a lot of bad. I've been going to therapy for years, but it only occurred to me today that much of my anxiety, aside from him abandoning me for alcohol, came from him showing me videos of people dying from various stupid things they did and warning me not to do those things, i.e. taking flaming shots will catch your insides on fire, so don't do that. I hadn't even gotten my period yet, let alone experienced drinking. But I always remember anyway. But I always remembered anyway. I know his heart was in the right place, but holy shit. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. That's crazy. Thank you for that. This is the body shame survey filled out by a guy who calls himself um, Dutch. What do you like or dislike about your body and why? I have a bit of a gut and I can't seem to get rid of it. Plus my love handles. I can't picture myself being loved or liked with that thing stuck on me. It's hardly noticeable through my clothes and it's hardly an actual issue at all, but it is a relic of my days of alcoholism and it hurts to see myself like this every day. Thank you for that. This is a struggle in a sentence survey filled out by a woman who calls herself Lost in Spaces. About her depression, she writes, Like the weird family member who overstays their welcome, won't leave, and ruins all your stuff. About her self-injury, it's been two years since we broke up, but sometimes I still want you back. Snapshot from her life. I have so-called high-functioning depression. I used graduate school as a way to avoid how I was feeling. I've always been pretty good at finding something to be singularly focused on. Example, grad school equals good, not eating equals bad. Recently, my depression has been a lot worse, so my psychiatrist started me on a new medication. Historically, I do well with meds with very few side effects. Not so this time. My ability to concentrate flew out the window. I would be with a patient and completely space out while they were talking. It was terrifying. Thankfully, this went away after stopping the medication, but I don't know how anyone who can't concentrate does it. Sometimes I feel like a fraud, like because I can still work and function, I'm not worthy of sympathy or understanding. I don't know how to feel. Boy, that would be a good t-shirt that so many people would relate to is, I don't know how to feel. Or, I don't know what I'm feeling. Thank you for that. This is the body shame survey filled out by a woman who calls herself Wasa B. Panda. And she writes, I am amazed by the human machine that God gave me to, quote, do life. Have for some reason felt the need to practice the nasty habit of bulimia at times over my life. Horrible way to treat a creature, especially me. I am currently not practicing this habit. And I feel thankful for that. It's always so nice to have hear somebody embracing their body and the amazing things that our body can do for all its limitations and struggles. And this is a struggle in a sentence filled out by a woman who calls herself Pepper. About her depression, she writes, Major depressive disorder feels like I am trapped under a wet wool blanket. About her PTSD, it feels like I would imagine a shook-up soda bottle feels feels like before the cap is released. Snapshot from her life. Fear binds me from life. 
Molestation from earliest remembered age of three till early teen years by a stepfather and grandfather, babysitter, and another man my stepfather tried to pass me off on. I knew how to seduce a man at the age of five. Fuck. Gang rape in high school, two rapes in the military, and after that used sex to control and dominate the men in my life. Nervous breakdown in my late 30s with a hospitalization for two weeks at a VA mental ward. Been a struggle ever since just to breathe, function, and live. People think I have it all together, but I am one strangled breath from succumbing to the weight of that wet wool blanket. I am sending you some love. Sending you a big, big hug. I'm so sorry that the world has... done the things that it has done to you or I should say the people in that world this is the body shame survey and this was filled out by a woman who calls herself my secret shame in the mirror what do you dislike or like about your body I hate my hair and face I also hate my left breast as it is larger and sags more than my right sometimes I catch my reflection in a mirror and think I look like a monkey with large ears and nose round staring brown eyes like an animal, and dull, frizzy, badly styled hair. These days I can add a few early wrinkles to my list too. The dislike of my face has been there since I was a child. I've had people make comments to me about how I looked, including close family members, and throughout my teenage years and young adulthood, I believed with my whole being that I was just ugly and had to accept that I'd never be loved. I did accept it too, until my first relationship in college. I was so incredibly stunned that someone was convinced I was attractive and lovable. It changed my entire world. That relationship turned out to be unhealthy and ended with me completely heartbroken, but I'll always remember how my world was turned on its head. I remember after puberty admiring my more grown-up body in the mirror, but wishing for a different head to go with it. I felt during those years that I could be considered attractive, but only from the neck down. Sometimes since then people have called me cute and my boyfriend calls me pretty, but whenever I look at other people or even at photos of myself, I wonder why I'm the only one who was cursed with being so unphotogenic, who always looks a bit off, like the features on my face are skewed slightly. I've considered plastic surgery, but I'm not sure they can fix me. There's just so much wrong other than a big nose. Plus, I couldn't afford it anyway. It's always a bit painful to me. And whenever people treat me badly with no provocation, I always wonder, is it because of the way I look? I sure wish I could be like most people and hide my flaws on the inside. You know, one of my thoughts about all the stuff that you described is that a couple of things. Number one, I think we always discount our vibe You know, our vibe has so much to do with whether or not people are drawn to us. And people who are, you know, people whose society would deem unattractive, objectively, physically, when those people have a vibe about them, uh, it's... To me, it transcends what what you look like. And, and while, yeah, to most people, what somebody looks like physically 
may affect things, I think somebody's vibe has a lot more to do with it. And it's so hard for us to see our vibe because it's just, uh, I think other people have a better feel for what it is. And that's the thing that we can work on rather than getting plastic surgery or the, uh, these other things. And the other thing that I've discovered is that when my mental health is bad, I feel like I am uglier. Uh, I see all my flaws. And when I'm feeling good about myself, I worry less about the things that I pick on in my physical appearance. I'm just more accepting of it. And so those are my two thoughts. This is the body shame survey, and this is filled out by a trans man who uh, calls himself Sullen Truffle. And he like he writes, I dislike that my body doesn't do all the things I require of it. I'm a fat man, and I've been fat my whole adult life. I fell into diet culture traps like most people, but about five years ago, I had the joy of discovering the fat acceptance movement, and I found myself falling in love with my body and all the wonderful soft, hard, furry, squishy, and smooth parts. The only thing that gets me down is chronic pain and illness and the unpredictability of it. Thank you for that. Any comments to make the podcast better? Paul, you beautiful bastard. I hope you can turn some of your compassion inward. You do deserve it. That means a lot to me. I don't know if you could hear me discount it and chuck it aside with indifference. No, I did take that in. I did take that in. Thank you for that. What do you like or dis... Oh, this is a body shame survey filled out by a woman who calls herself aspiring alien. What do you like or dislike about your body? There's not a single portion of my body that I like. One compliment about anything physical can leave me swirling in a flood of panic or feeling as if I disappear within myself. To me, this body is what has caused all the pain in my life that continues to haunt me. I logically know that is not accurate, sort of. Yet my body was the scene of too many crimes, and I am forced to live within it 24-7. If I could transport myself into someone else and live like a little alien inside anyone else's body, but run it all from the inside, I'd do that in an instant. So far, that doesn't seem to be a possibility, though. Sending you some love. Sending you some love. This is a shame and secret survey filled out by... Uh, and this is our, our uh, last survey. This is filled out by a woman who calls herself Dancing with the North Lights. Um, she is... In her 20s, raised in a slightly dysfunctional environment, uh, she identifies as in a relationship with a man, but I love looking at women. Ever been the victim of sexual abuse? Some stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts. Um, she doesn't uh, give any specifics. She's been emotionally abused. I was in an emotionally abusive relationship with my ex. I was 22, he was 29, and we dated for a year. We were having sex one day, and after he ejaculated in me, he stayed there for a bit. He looked me in the eyes and said, I could have fit another dick in you, and he pulled out and fell asleep. I went to clean myself up, returned to bed, curled into the fetal position, and cried myself to sleep. This happened very early in our relationship. It wasn't the last time he would mention things like that. He would also compare me to his first love and how I wasn't even remotely close to being as beautiful as her. 
I hold some bitterness towards him. I hate him, but I also feel so sorry for him. He'll never, he, he'll never be able to get over his ex. He was extremely depressed and never wanted to get help. Part of me hopes he got help, but part of me hopes he kills himself. Does that make me an awful person? No, it does not make you an awful person. If you were trying to kill him, that might be different. But your th- feelings and your thoughts, we have no control over what pops into our head or our central nervous system or our heart, psyche, whatever you want to call it. It's what we do with it that matters. Any positive experiences with the abusers? We had what I thought at the time was good sex, but looking back, I faked a lot of O's. Ha ha. He made me go see a therapist for the first time since I was 14. I found out I had anxiety and depression then. I kind of already knew, but haven't seen anyone about it. I have a pattern of being really proactive about finding help and then feeling fine and never going back. I'm still learning how to do that, but he pushed in that direction, so I'm grateful for that. Darkest thoughts. Suicide and cutting. I wouldn't do it, but I think about it often. My neck and arms burn when I want to cut myself, or where I imagine the noose would wrap around my neck. Darkest secrets. I remember being very sexual from a very young age. I started masturbating at eight years old, but I don't think I was sexually abused. Just don't understand why I was a sexual kid. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. I want to be with a woman. My boyfriend tying me up and gagging me. To have extreme rough sex. Writing all this down turns me on. Ha ha. It's so weird. I'm sorry. Don't apologize for that. That's a really common thing. I mean, why wouldn't somebody get turned on when they start thinking about what turns them on and writes it down? Yeah. You have nothing to apologize for. What, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? There is a lot in my head. Top of my head, please stop telling us how much you want grandchildren. I can't even take care of myself uh, mentally. How in the fuck am I going to raise a child in this? I don't even know if I want them. I don't want to bring another damaged person into this world. Uh, And I would say that to my boyfriend's mother. You should say, I don't want to, I'm not emotionally healthy, and I don't want to bring another person like your son into the world. And then interject, but I love him. But come on, look at him. Uh, What, if anything, do you wish for? Inner peace. I'm sick of this constant negativity thought train. I want to be fucking happy. I want to let go. You know, in my experience, Happiness is not something that I can control, but peace is something that's doable. And mostly just by surrendering to what is, the th- surrendering to the things that I can't change, and then just trying to bring principled actions or attitudes to the things that I do have influence or control over. And mostly it's just my reaction to the things that I don't have control over. And that to me brings about incremental growth which helps me feel good about myself and increases the quality of my relationships and it gives a kind of a a forward momentum that can propel me and yeah I backslide a lot but um that's that's been my experience what if anything do you wish for inner peace oh she said that already 
have you shared these things with others? No? Well, kind of. I have talked to my current boyfriend about my ex, but he doesn't like him, uh, and I don't want to bring him up constantly. I want to move on, and I won't let him win in my head as much as before. How do you feel after writing these things down? Better. Looking forward for a new experience coming up. I'm starting group therapy for bipolar 2 and anxiety. Is there anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? For someone thinking of killing themselves, it's a V for Vendetta quote. And it's from Valerie. Every inch of me shall perish, except one, an inch. It is small and fragile, and it's the only thing in the world that's worth having. We must never lose it or sell it or give it away. We must never let them take it from us. I don't know who you are, but I hope you escape this place. I hope that the world turns and things get better and that one day people have roses again. I don't know who you are, but I love you. I love you. Wow. That That's, uh, that's fucking heavy. That is heavy. Want to uh, give one final shout out to our sponsor, Aura Smart Frame. It's the perfect gift for parents or anyone who wants to see more of your photos. You can instantly share them from your phone and you can enjoy unlimited family photo sharing. And you can set it so that every time that person walks into a room, you instantly brighten their day. Head to AuraFrames.com, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com, and use offer code MENTALILLNESS at checkout for $50 off. Well, I hope you got something out of today's episode, and I hope if you're, if you're out there and you're struggling, uh, and your brain before the episode was telling you that you're alone and you've blown it and you don't have enough and you don't do enough and that you're not enough, I hope that you know that that you're not alone because you're not and that's just your brain being a dick uh, that would be a good t-shirt don't let your brain be a dick anyway you're not alone and thanks for listening everybody I know is bizarrely beautifully everybody fucked up I know in some weird way bizarrely beautifully everybody fucked up in some weird way bizarrely beautifully everybody fucked up in some weird way
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 